Have you ever been suspicious of people simply because you didn't know them? You know, there's some people that you don't know, and typically what we always do is uh, we kind of shy away from them because we don't know anything about them. We hold back. Uh, we don't tell them our thoughts. Some of us, uh, quite frankly, that we have taken the position that we will assume the worst about people first, and then later we'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, some folks say that they don't trust anyone, and I mean no one. However, in life, we must trust some people for some things. Amen? Uh, you must eventually trust uh, the people who come into your house to fix what's going wrong in your house. Sure, you may look at them with uh, an eagle eye every move that they make, but you still trust them enough to allow them to come into your house. And in fact, in our faith, uh, life is no different. Uh, given the spiritual climate uh, of the world today, we just don't trust anyone, right? Uh, we don't trust anyone, even in the faith, because oftentimes what we hear in the news it's not this person, it's the next person. And we begin to wonder in the back of our minds, when will it ever end? When will we finally hear good news about those who are in the faith? So today we're going to learn about how to exercise grace towards others, who people, people who we really don't know. So please turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 38. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 38. And we begin here by seeing that oftentimes we attempt to defend our own sacred territory. We always make attempts to defend our own sacred territory. Verse 38 says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Uh, something very interesting as an aside before I really uh, dig into the message. That one of the things that I notice uh, this time through the Gospel of Mark, are you aware that oftentimes many people did not call Jesus by his name Jesus? Are you aware that uh, for the most part that the disciples did not call Jesus Jesus? Did you know that? And yeah, I want you to Take me up on my challenge and read through the Gospel of Mark or the other Gospels for that matter and find out who called Jesus, Jesus. Uh, one of the first people or whoever called Jesus, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark were demons. The demons called, uh, called Jesus, a Jesus of Nazareth. And I find that very interesting. But here, uh, the Apostle John, uh, he calls Jesus teacher. So we are challenged when people who are not like us mimic us. 
right? You know how we do when we get our little cliques, our little groups, and we grow really, really comfortable with them, uh, that oftentimes that we don't want anyone else to be a part of that, right? It's just uh, us four, they say, and no more. We feel uncomfortable when folks come into our little cliques uh, who haven't been around. Those folks who come into our little band of discipleship uh, 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 believers that have not walked this life of faith with us. So we become suspicious of them. So here the disciples saw some other people casting out demons in Jesus' name, and they felt compelled to stop them. Oh, look at this. Here's someone that is utilizing the name of Jesus Christ, and we're going to stop them in their tracks. We're going to prevent them from doing what they're, they're, they're doing because they're not part of our group. This tells us, though, uh, that other people heard the message of Jesus Christ and they observed uh, the power that he had and they were operating within that power. But the disciples, they were clearly, right? If you look at verse 38, they were clearly distressed because they felt as if, you know, uh, I've been walking with Jesus for all this time and if you're going to do what Jesus has called us to do, that means that you should have been walking with us. So since you have not been walking with us, then you need to stop right where you're doing, right where you're at. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt the fact that there's no one that can do Jesus the way you do Jesus? So in one way, we can feel, feel very protective about what we believe and even in how we worship, right? We believe that there's only one way to worship. We believe that in order to really worship the way that we want to, that it must happen this way. We believe that all of the songs need to be sacred in order to worship God. We believe that the songs must all be hymns or the songs must always be worship, worship tunes. I am fascinated that uh, one time I sat on a symposium with a group of, uh, with a group of folks and, and one of the things that uh, we discovered was that, are you aware, we're very familiar with Handel's Messiah, are you aware that some of the tunes from Handel's Messiah actually came out of a bar? Are you aware of that? That some of the melodies, not the lyrics, we know the lyrics are biblical, but did you know that the melodies that came, some of the melodies that came out of Handel's Messiah, they were actually bar tunes. Long time ago, but, you know, uh, that, that the people of that day, that they realized it, and they wanted to find something in common, so this is how Handel decided that he would worship the Lord. Isn't that fascinating? But now I want you to know that even though this is true, uh, that we know that there's other people that, that, that don't do church the way that we do, that there is a fine balance to it all. We must also be very diligent concerning our faith and make sure we do not side with any teaching or any practice uh, which is rife with heresy or unorthodox practices. These things which clearly conflict and contradict what the Word of God clearly says. We know we must not side with those things. So the disciples tried to stop them. 
They tried to stop them from misrepresenting Jesus and the new movement that he was trying to forge as Israel's Messiah. Check this out, right? They never had a question concerning the legitimacy of this person's actions who was operating in the power of Jesus. In other words, they had no questions about how he actually did it and, and, and whether or not it was true. Were folks really delivered through this person's ministry? Never at any time the scripture tell us that they were playing tricks. Never at any time the uh, scripture tell us that they were doing these things by sleight of hand. It was all legitimate, and it was all true. One of the important things to understand is that the disciples were looking at this situation according to how they saw things with their eyes. They were looking at the situation according to how they thought the way things should go and what they saw. Now, this is very important for us to realize because what we see does not always reveal reality. You've heard of the saying that you can't tell a book what? By its cover, right? That simply tells us that just because a book looks old and tattered doesn't necessarily mean there's nothing good in there. Jesus could have all so have said this to them. Look here, my disciples, look here, John, you can't. Tell a book by its cover. How many times have you or I been fooled by what we thought, what we thought to be a true situation or true of a person, and we turned out to be totally wrong? How many times has that happened to you? I know some of you said that's never happened to me because I've never judged anyone. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Don't, don't tell a lie there. Yes, you have. So, but because we are looking sometimes at situations according to the flesh, right? We size people up. In other words, what we do oftentimes in our life, we profile people, right? We decide that, you know, uh, they said this or they did this, so therefore they are not this. So we profile before we, we profile them before we even get a chance to know them. And that's very interesting because we ourselves, oh Lord, you know we hate to be profiled, amen? But you know that in order to live a true life, you have to be able to profile. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Hey, I've walked down some street sometime, as big and as bad as I thought I was, you know, and, I, and I'm looking like way down the block, and I, and I see these guys, I'm like, no, I'm not getting into that. And I crossed over to the other side, and I kept going, right? You see, what I did was profile, right? Because I thought I was, you know, protecting myself. Or I just said, well, I don't want to get into another fight with some more people that are talking crazy stuff to me. Don't want to go there. So because uh, as we live this spiritual life, we have a tendency to judge things according to the flesh. We have a, a, a tendency to judge things according to 
the flesh. Paul says what? That though we walk in the flesh, we what? Do not war against the flesh, right? Uh, that, that the things that are going on, that it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle, and there are no uh, ifs, ands, or buts about it. And this is one of the reasons I felt such a need to pray today. This is the reason why. I mean, you can feel the, the, the struggle uh, that is true in our hearts. The struggles that we have as we try to make it through. It's like, you know, sometimes, if you can imagine, we're running, we're running, we're running, and we try to make it through the finish line, and right when we get to the finish line, it's like a big giant piece of saran wrap, it grabs us and pushes us back. And it is that prayer that gives us discernment, that allows us to see things that are in the spirit that otherwise we simply would not be able to. So here in our passage, where did these strangers learn how to cast out demons in, in Jesus' name? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us. Scripture does not tell us that what they did, uh, that they just followed Jesus from this place, or they learned it from this particular, uh, this particular talk, or they learned it when the disciples went out two by two, or the 72 went out. It doesn't tell us that. But it simply tells us that, yes, they were able to cast out demons, that they had exorcisms going on. I believe some say we're not absolutely sure whether or not if they were true disciples. I believe they were, there were true disciples. They simply were just not part of that band of 12. Remember that Jesus had many disciples to spread the good news of the kingdom, and they did work miracles. So in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, we see that when the disciples, when they went out without Jesus being present with them, that what did they do? Uh, they went out and they talked about the kingdom. We see that follow up in verses 12 and 13 of that same chapter of chapter 6. So not only did they have exorcisms going on, uh, but also they end up uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God as well, that they should repent. That was very true. Now very quickly, going back now to our chapter, chapter 9, verse 38. Notice this, though, that the disciples, that John, he only mentions the fact that they were casting out demons. He never mentioned the fact whether or not if they were proclaiming God's kingdom. However, the instructions that we saw there in Mark chapter 6, it was to proclaim repentance. So did Mark fail to mention this? Uh, did it happen by accident, or, uh, or did it simply not happen? Well, we really don't know. Uh, we really can't make that argument. But what I do tell you is that the, the bottom line is that uh, uh, it happened. So also notice here in verse 38 that they said that this person was not following whom? Was not following Let's try that again. Look at verse 38 here, Mark chapter 9. John said to him, Teacher, we saw something, uh, someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not 
following us. Isn't that interesting? They didn't say, well, Jesus, they weren't following your teaching. They didn't say, Jesus, they weren't following you. They were saying, Jesus, they weren't following us, right? We're, we're big and bad, and we're part of this Jesus band. So the disciples, they do make a distinction between the obvious power of Jesus and the way that they cast out de demons in Jesus' name, uh, but they said that they were not following us. While they would not yet walk in their full confidence of ministry, they were finally beginning to take some ownership for what Jesus called them to do. Now the irony of the disciples' complaint, here's the irony of it all. That earlier here in chapter 9, if you look at verses 17 and 18, if you recall that it was the disciples that they could not cast out demons. Did you see that? Look at chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, look here, I, I, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And, who, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So uh, I, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. But now, over here, beginning in verse 38, the disciples see other folks casting out demons, and they said, look here, Jesus, we need to put a stop to this, because they're not even with. So they were doing what the disciples were not able to do earlier in the chapter. Was there a hint of jealousy in the air? Oftentimes, these subtle issues drive a conversation uh, without most people realizing. That oftentimes, that what is at the root of the whole thing, oftentimes it is jealousy. Jealousy can bring progress to a grinding halt if it is not properly understood and dealt with. We'll say it again, right? Jealousy can bring progress. How? It will bring it to a grinding halt if it is not properly understood and dealt with. God calls us to look with spiritual eyes. So next, Jesus call for the disciples to exercise grace. Mark chapter 9, verse 39. And Jesus uh, said to him, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. There are times when we should just let people do what they're doing without interference. I'll say it again. There are times that we need to let people do what they're doing without interference. Jesus' instructions to them was not to stop those who were not a part of their discipleship group. It's so easy for us to be suspicious of anyone who's not like us. Come on. Sometimes for good reason. Other times... 
It may be due to our own personal insecurities. Sometimes folks want to know about Jesus for their own personal gain. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Surely Paul knew what Jesus knew as he thought about this. Nevertheless, Jesus told them to leave this other person along here in Mark. He tells them not to stop him. And the language is very interesting, right? The, uh, the language that, uh, that, Paul, Paul, uh, that, that Jesus uses here, it often indicates the resistance of someone that has for spiritual progress. The resistance for, that someone has for spiritual progress. So Jesus tells us people who really do things for the Lord will not badmouth him later. People who really do things for the Lord will not badmouth him later. Verse 39, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Jesus said that they were doing what? They were doing a mighty work in his name. But you may wonder, uh, like I have, that all that glitters is not gold. That there are a lot of folks who are talking about doing this for Jesus and doing that for Jesus. That they may not necessarily be for Jesus even though they're not bad-mouthing him. But I want you to understand five things. First, the first thing I would tell you is that you always to investigate to see if those things really are. If someone says that, oh, this uh, man of God or this woman of God, that they healed me or, or they levitated off the ground. Or if you see somebody levitating, you need to run in the first place, right? Or they did X, Y, and Z, investigated to see if it's real. Amen? Second, are they truly operating according to God's word? Third, are they doing it in the name of Jesus? Fourth, ask the question, are they speaking badly of Jesus? In other words, if you're going to do it in the name of Jesus, there can't be any other around that says we also call upon this person. Amen? It's Jesus alone. And then finally, always ask the question, what is their character like? What is their character like? You, you see, you can't be doing all these things for Jesus Christ and then you besmirch, you besmirch his name right afterwards, right? You can't do all these things for Jesus Christ and your life looks like hell. Now, this is why uh, when you live for Christ and you talk of Christ, that your life should also demonstrate it at the same time. People not fighting against you, brothers and sisters, are on your side. Verse 40. For the one who is not against us is for us. Jesus says that uh, the very person who is not warning against you, who is not talking about you for what you're doing, he's saying, look at that situation. They are probably for you at the same time. And no, I'm not talking about this synchronistic type of thing. No, I'm not talking about this, this unity thing that we got going on, that Jesus is one among others, so they're just tolerating you. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about those who are not warring after what Jesus represents. In order to know what Jesus represents, we must know what he has said, so therefore we must know his word. Amen?
And last week's, uh, two weeks ago's uh, uh, Friday, Chicago Tribune, there was an article about the state of affairs concerning the use of bathrooms by anyone who identifies with whichever gender they choose. All right? We, we have all heard that, and if it has not hit your doorsteps yet, hold on, it is coming your way. You hear what I say? If it has not hit your doorsteps yet, hold on, it's coming your way. The writer of this article stated that uh, it was a lady, she was uh, completely opposed to it. She says it doesn't make sense, the fact that my daughter uh, can go to school and be in a, a change in the gym locker room and some little boy can come right after there and change and say, I'm a lady, and change his clothes in there at the same time. She says there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. And then she goes on this battle of ideas that some people are remaining silent about the whole thing who should speak up. In other words, as she said, there are a lot of people who are against that whole philosophy, that whole thought process, who are not speaking up and supporting those who are against this whole thing. And then I quote, she says, there are untold numbers of people who are not speaking out for fear of being ostracized or fear of being called bigots, end quote. Well, what does that got to do with what you're talking about? Well, the bottom line is that uh, it says those who are not against us, but there are some who make us feel that they are against us by not helping to support the idea that we have across, in this case, a biblical idea. And true that everybody is made uh, in, the, in the image of God, but at the end of the day, God has made us male, and he has made us female, and he has not made us in between. All right, let's try it again. So God has made us how? Male, and God has made us female, and he has not made us in between. So look here, right? Look here. If you got kids in the school, you better start getting your mind ready for what's going to come if it has not come to your school yet. If you have a kid in the school, please get your mind together. And if you don't have children in school, support those who are fighting against this. Don't remain silent because there are those who are fighting against them. In this case, this writer implies that there are not enough people speaking up. So by default, in our democratic nation... It speaks against morality and common sense. So the person who was casting out demons in our passage in the name of Jesus Christ, that he was doing it under the authority of Jesus. He was doing it in Jesus' name. This lesson by Jesus is to learn, how do I exercise grace towards those in the faith who are not like me? Right? Music, it is a preference, right? You know, uh, whether or not we pray in the middle of service or after service, those things are preference, right? So if people really love Jesus Christ, then you say, amen, I'm glad we're on the same side. Amen? amen. Be glad we're on the, same time, uh, on the same side. So last time, uh, Jesus brought correction concerning who would be the greatest of all disciples. 
And this time it concerns who can be a part of the name of Jesus group. <laughs> On the one hand, we all realize that we must know what the standards are of our faith. We must know. But on the other hand, we must realize, as Jesus did, there is coming a time when we must know who are against us and who are for us. There is coming a time that we must know who are against us and who is for us. Because, brothers and sisters, the attacks, they're coming. The attacks, they are coming. Some of you have already seen them for yourself. Jesus says in verse 39 that no one is able to do a mighty work in his name will soon after speak evil of him. Recall, if you would, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Some of you may have been thinking about this all along. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. As a matter of fact, I think it's something that we should probably read. Acts 19, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Right? You hear that? I can imagine. I'm not sure if they had that kind of voice, right? That's my voice, right? I adjure you by, uh, by the Lord Jesus over, uh, he says, uh, by the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, right? I invoke the name of Jesus Christ, I can imagine. Verse 14, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. Verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them. He says, Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize. So wait a minute, the evil spirit, so the demon said, the fallen angels said, Jesus I know, and Paul, I even recognize who Paul is. And then he says, but who the heck are you? He says, the demon says, well, who that is? Verse 16, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So number one, I just want to tell you, just don't be playing around with the demonic. Amen. Don't be playing around with the demonic. Number two, I tell you, don't be afraid of the demonic. Did you hear what I said? Know that it is real, but do not be afraid. And I tell you, uh, for those of you who don't think that it is real, uh, really, okay, uh, all right, well, just, just live your life and then come to me when you find out. But they ran out of the house, out of the house naked and wounded because of those very demons that they were trying to exercise, that the bottom line is that uh, they jumped on those folks. This tells us that some people are playing church without knowing the one whom the church is founded on. They thought that just because Paul was doing these miracles by invoking the name of Jesus, they too would be able to have access to that same power. Just because you see somebody else do it, right? Just because you see somebody else do it doesn't mean that God has called you to do that as well. Amen? But as I said before, don't be afraid either. 
don't be afraid. In our culture, all kinds of people are doing all types of things in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of these things are cockamamie. Some of these things we should know better. But one of the reasons that we don't know better because we don't even know what Jesus or, or one of the apostles has said about it in the first place. And then there's simply those who reject the name of Jesus and all that he stands for. And all that he meant. And these people not only speak evil of him who are trying to do his works for his name's sake, but uh, they, they reject him totally. They reject Jesus totally. And then there will be those who take on a position of confusion, who believe it is possible to do works in the name of Jesus Christ, but not have a relationship with him. You hear what I'm saying? So there are some people, I believe, right? I believe this. I believe that there are some people who are in seminaries who are in it in the flesh. I believe that some people start churches because they are doing it in the flesh. Not because God has called them, but they just thought this was a good idea. I believe that some people are operating in ministries in the church because they just think that it's cool and they really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, 21. You know this. Not everyone who says to me, what does it say? Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, how many? Does it say few or does it say many? What does the scripture say? It says many will say to me, Lord, Lord, uh, let me into your heaven because, look, did we not prophesy in your name? And look at this. Look what the next part says. And do what? And... So are you aware that there are some people who look like they're casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ who are not going to heaven? There are some people who look, right? All the bells and whistles, right? Or even the lack of bells and whistles. They look like uh, they're doing things in the name of Jesus Christ. They may have their collar on. You know, they may wear a, a, a cross, a 12-inch cross around their neck. They may even tell you how many times they go to church. They may even tell you how many times that they think they're preaching the gospel. But the bottom line here, Jesus says here uh, that they are saying that they cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name. So Jesus, we're doing it in your name. He is saying, they're saying that they are invoking the name of Jesus Christ and look how people are healed. They're saying, Jesus, had you not seen the person who I laid hands on and how the demons fled from them? Jesus, have you not seen the fact uh, that I end up praying for someone and the emotional darkness that they had, that it left them in an instance and I did it in your name? Jesus, did you not see that?
Verse 23 there, he says, and then I will declare. You see that? Jesus is standing as judge now. This is Jesus. He's not even saying the Father here. And we know the Father and the Son, they are one. But he says here, and then I will declare to them what? What, is he, what does he say? I never knew you. Don't know you. Jesus will tell them, talk to the hand. Then he says, not only that I never, he didn't even say I knew you at one time. <laughs> Did you see that? He never say that, oh, you know what, there was one time in which you were near me and you were so close to me, and then over time you just, you kind of left away from me over time. Uh, Jesus says what here? He says, I what? Uh, try it again. I don't, think, I don't think you really are convinced at what Jesus says. What did Jesus say? He said, what? I I never knew you. You were in prayer. I didn't even recognize that. Because your prayer was an abomination to me. Jesus says that you were going to church every week, but only as a stranger. Jesus was saying that you sang songs of, of, of Zion, but I didn't know you. So there are plenty of people doing things in the name of Jesus Christ. So it is not like if you use the name of Jesus in any way, you will automatically be ushered into heaven. Think again. Just because you use the name of Jesus does not mean that you are automatically uh, will be ushered into heaven when you die. This kind of reminds me, and you may have seen this before, the television commercial on, uh, that advertises some kind of uh, medicine for some kind of physical ailment. And you may have seen it. And the fact that uh, they had given the one person, or the one person had eaten like one piece of kale. Did you see that? They ate the one piece of kale. In the other case, uh, they, they did one sit-up, right? One, right? Hoping if they did one sit-up, that automatically they would be in shape. Or by eating one piece of kale, right, that automatically that would fix all that's wrong with on the inside of them. No, it doesn't work that way. And some people think that just because I use the name of Jesus Christ, I'm okay. Again, looking at the passage in Matthew, we see that they did cast out demons and they did many mighty works in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't deny this. Jesus said, you didn't do that. No, he didn't say that. He just said, I didn't know you. Yet their lives were indicative of those who were far away from him. Uh, never forget, God's word is God's word. Right? Because what you're asking me is this, right? You're saying, well, Pastor Spencer, then how is it possible that God would allow his word to be used on people, right, who don't even know you in the first place? How is it possible that demons can be cast out in the name of Jesus and this person is so far from you in the first place? How is this possible? Well, what I know from scripture is that God says that he will bless his word. Say it again. I guess some didn't get it. God says that he will bless his word. God will bless his Okay, right? Here it is, right? This is why you have millionaires and billionaires in the world. Like, wait, wait a minute. What are you talking about? 
There are people who are very wealthy in this world that they are operating according to biblical principles. They deny God, but the fact remains is that his word still remains true. Right? So he's blessing his word for his word's sake. So therefore, you know how God allows it to happen? You have to talk to God about that. Right? Because I know if you or me were God and somebody tried to use our word the wrong way, first thing we know, okay, let's just kill him right now. Boom! Let him drop dead. You are not going to use my word like that. I'm just going to kill him. But he, God, he, he blesses his word. He doesn't honor that person. He doesn't honor that person, but he honors his word. And then finally, God has a positive view of those who serve in Jesus' name. Verse 41 of Mark 9, For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup, you a cup of water uh, to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Uh, this last verse deals with the fact that God also honors a person who recognizes a, a disciple of Jesus. But this must be taken into the context of all Scripture. Uh, I am not sure about uh, what that reward looks like. I don't know. But it is possible that their hearts have been opened to the grace of God in Christ Jesus. So having said all of that, we must still be aware of those who, uh, even passing those qualifications, have deceptive practices who want to lure naive individuals into a sense of trust and then afterward uh, take advantage of them. So learning how to exercise grace when you are not sure about the foundation of others is still very important. Here's a quote from Oz Guinness. And I quote, A striking symptom of the church's problems in the West today is the fact that in a country such as the United States, Christians are still the overwhelming majority of citizens. But the American way of life has moved far from the way of the life of Jesus which means simply that the Christians who are the majority are living a way of life closer to the world than it is to the way of Jesus. <clears throat> In a word, he says, <clears throat> they are worldly and therefore incapable, incapable of shaping their culture. End quote. We all know this is a problem but God has a very interesting way of addressing our concerns if we're willing to listen. Where are you? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, are you closer to the world? Or are you closer to Jesus? The more of us that are closer to Jesus than to the world, then we know that we can make an impact in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we will not have time to try to figure out who's doing things in the name of Jesus Christ. But we, as a strong church disciple of Jesus Christ, will make a powerful uh, impact for the name of Jesus. So as our nation gradually moves away from Jesus, it becomes increasingly important that those of us who are sold out for Jesus, that we drop our suspicion of one another and passionately work together for his kingdom. This 
is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to exercise grace towards all those who we are unfamiliar with. Do you hear God's word? Are you willing to walk in obedience? Let's pray.